I've done Marvel episodes on this podcast, and those were mainly about specific shows. Talking about, um, you know, WandaVision, or I would talk about my top favorites in a certain genre of Marvel, like villains or women. Those are the only two things I care about in, in Marvel, I guess. But today I'm going to be talking about something a little bit more broad, a little bit more vague, and that is just general Marvel opinions. And I already know that this episode is going to make people mad if you're listening to it, because I have, um, some of these are things that people hate publicly, and I'm like, in private, I'm like, I love these things so much, or I didn't like them at all, and people love them publicly, so... Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we start, I would like to say these are just my opinions. If you have anything to add or, you know, to state any of your opinions, please feel free to email me your thoughts at geochris134 at gmail.com. That's G-I-A-K-R-I-S-134 at gmail.com. There will be spoilers ahead, so if you've not watched these movies and you are planning to, this is not the episode for you. Without further ado, let's get started. Now, this opinion is a little bit broader. Um, It's a lot, and it has to do with Steve's ending in Endgame, mainly because I didn't like it, and also I have some opinions on his relationships, okay? So number one, for Steve's ending, I think Steve should have ended up with Sharon. I know, I know, Peggy and Steve were there first, whatever, plus everyone hated Sharon, but can I ask why? Was there an actual reason? Because Homegirl did nothing wrong. If anything, I think she did everything right. Sharon is one of the main reasons I loved Captain America the Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War so much. She's a super strong character, and one of my beefs with Marvel is that they reduced her to this side character who happened to kiss Steve one time. They ruined her character just because of the hate Emily Van Camp got after the movie was released, but that hate was completely undeserved, and there was some stuff going on behind the scenes that shouldn't have happened. Um, Sharon was a major player in the comics, And this is actually one of the main things that, like, really, really set up my love for her in the movies, is that um, she is, in the comics, one of the best agents in S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 13 is the blueprint for badass, okay? Comparing that to Peggy in the comics, which also really, really influenced my opinion of her in the movies, um, Peggy in the comics was abusive, manipulative, and generally a horrible person. Um, She used Steve in every way possible. On the offhand... um, she, she was just a bad person, you know? And comparing that to Sharon, Sharon's obviously the better choice. And so it really, really annoyed... It really, really annoyed me to the point where, like, why the fuck would you go back to Peggy? What the fuck? Um, also, when it came to Peggy, that kind of relationship was the type that wasn't meant to last. I am sorry to say it, but there are some relationships that are meant to be, but they aren't meant to last. I also got way more chemistry from Sharon than Peggy. So, Yeah. Um, also, more on why Steve was wrong to stay back in the first place. Um, at the end of Endgame, Steve goes to put all the stones back, and he ends up staying with Peggy, as I just said. Now, I'm not gonna go into all the multiversal and timeline shit that could have stemmed from that decision, because that timeline stuff and multiverse stuff can stay in Loki, okay? I'm talking about Steve right now. Steve can suck it. Anyway, um, I'm gonna go into all the emotional repercussions that happened. He goes to Peggy marries her. Fun. Great. But what happens to the family that was established for her in that timeline already? As I said already, Peggy and Steve are in a relationship that was meant to last. They were meant to cross paths, stay a while, and go their own ways. When Steve went down, their relationship was supposed to come to an end. Peggy then moves on with her life, which we see in Agent Carter, lives a full life, falls in love again. Steve returning ruined that entire canon for her, so now Agent Carter is completely obsolete. 
that ending is not even canon in our world because he ruined it by going back. Let's talk about other people he left behind. Let's talk about Bucky and Sam. Okay, this got me pissed in the theater. I love Steve, I do, but that man does stupid things all the time. He was actually one of my least favorite Avengers along with Clint, who I actually hate just for the fact that I don't like Jeremy Renner. He gives me bad vibes. Um, if you like Jeremy Renner, um, it's opinion, honey. I don't go spreading that around, but anyway. Steve has a good heart, but he did a lot of bad things for the sake of doing the right thing, at least in his mind. I still haven't forgiven him for leaving Sharon a rot after Civil War. That woman had to pull herself together and hide from the cops. He completely forgot that Bucky still wasn't accustomed to being in the 21st century without being brainwashed. He was probably expecting for Steve to show him around or at least help him get used to being a civilian. He dumps all of his responsibility on Sam, who was never trained for the role. Imagine being given a CEO position at a job with no prior experience on how to do that job, but you can't ask the former CEO because he went to the moon. Steve screwed up a lot of lives by going back, and I will never forgive him for that. Okay, next opinion. Um, I feel like people will either agree with me when it comes to this or fucking despise me because there are a lot of Bucky stands out there, but I, Bucky would have never made, he, he never would have been a ca good Captain America, at least in the, in the MCU. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because he is the White Wolf. Why, what do I mean by that? The reason I have this opinion it has to do with the comics and also how Bucky is portrayed in the MCU by Sebastian Stan. So in the comics, Buckley, Bucky actually becomes Captain America after in a 2008 issue. He's named Captain America by Steve because Steve gets shot. Now, Steve survives, obviously, but he continues to support that decision to make Bucky Captain America because I think he was just like done with it or whatever. And although it does take a while, he ends up taking the mantle. White Wolf, on the other hand, in the comics, is a completely different character. He's not Bucky. And he has almost no backstory, nothing in common with Bucky. He's just kind of named as T'Challa's adopted brother, and he works as a mercenary for Wakanda. That's all the story we have for him. Because there was so little known about White Wolf, the directors of MCU were like, oh, it's so much easier to develop that kind of alter ego because there's so much room to play around in because he doesn't have a backstory. <laughs> Might I remind you, this man has no past, so you can do whatever the fuck you want with him. Um, on the MCU side of things, let me- okay, Bucky, as we know, extremely damaged character. It was actually one of the main issues I had with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was that they mentioned his trauma and healing process for like 30 seconds and they moved on to the next plot device. I wish they would have talked more about that. But Bucky as a character, right? He is not emotionally stable enough to handle the role of Captain America. He quite literally would have crumbled under the weight of that shield, not due to any fault of his own, just because it would be just because he has so much trauma and he hasn't worked through all of it and he needs to be a better person. Sam, on the other hand, he has practiced more a healthy coping mechanism. He served as Steve secondhand in Buck's absence in the present tense. So like he has more of a chance at not failing. <laughs> as I'm phrasing my words very carefully at not failing at being Captain America also I think it was really really clever to have Sam be Captain America especially like when the show was released it was when all the Black Lives Matter movement was going on and obviously that is a movement that's been happening for a long time it was just gaining traction now because of George Floyd but um it was really clever to have like that whole like racial d discussion in that show although i do wish they could have like you know not done it as like a oh check it off the list sort of deal 
that I'll be talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in a later episode, so don't worry about that. I'm not going to keep talking about it now. Okay, um, I'm gonna, this is a hot take, right? Um, Brutasha, I thought, was cute. I think the only reason it didn't work was because that they rushed it. They rushed it, and then they brushed it under the rug in later movies to downplay it. Um, I actually think it had some potential. The two of them would have been very compatible. I thought it was, like, a really cute pairing of, like, the nerd and the hot girl, you know. Um, that trope has not been done in a Marvel movie, so I thought it would be really cute if they did it. Mark Ruffalo and ScarJo have chemistry. It, maybe not as much as Chris Evans and her have, but, like, they do have chemistry. That is the one thing that I know. Um, I also think, like, the way that they bonded was really good. I just think they shouldn't have made the only reason she's a monster is because she's sterile. I think that's stupid. I think if a woman can't have children, that is of no fault of her own, and that does not make her a monster. I feel like that's the wrong message for that kind of thing to happen. Obviously, it's incredibly sad, like, the thing that they do to, things that they do to all the Black Widows in Red Rooms, but, like, still, I think that they could have, like, focused more on the fact that she has red on her ledger, she's killed people. Maybe, like, bring up the whole Budapest thing with Drakov. If you've seen Black Widow, you know what I mean. But, like, maybe bring that up and be like, that's the reason that she thinks she's a monster. But, like, she's, he's like, I'm a giant green monster. And she's like, yeah, and I'm sterile. And I'm like, okay, great. There's a lot of people. <laughs> like, there's so much more to her character than just, you know, the fact that she can't have kids. You know what I mean? And that doesn't make her a monster in any right, because Natasha is, has proven herself to be, like, you know, a great person. And arguably, I think she's one of the most noble people in that group, um, just because she always had her mind in the game, like, in the long term. And I think that's maybe the mind of an assassin or the spy or a spy mind, I don't know. But, like, Tony and, and Steve never had that foresight foresight which is actually something that i think that bruce and her could have bonded over because i because bruce was always thinking about the long term while tony was thinking about you know unrealistic goals because he you know he was an extremist so like that kind of thing i think it had a lot of potential i think the only reason they did brutasha in the first place was they didn't have much to do with bruce and natasha's character in age of ultron so they decided to give them a love story, and then later on when they had more stuff to do, they just completely forgot about it and decided not to do anything with it, which makes me really, really sad. Ah, uh, yes, Ultron. <laughs> on the topic of that movie, um, Avengers Age of Ultron was the movie that made me dislike Tony Stark a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong, man's an icon, but sometimes he makes dumb decisions. Everyone tells him not to make Ultron, and what does Tony do? He makes Ultron, who then kills Jarvis and then takes hold of his entire tower fun. The reason I didn't like Ultron in this movie was because the, t the Avengers were essentially fighting another version of Tony Stark. Think about it. Like, think about all the similarities, right? Sarc sarcasm? Check. Dreaming of a better world? Check. Daddy issues? Check, surprisingly. Um, the original Ultron in the comics, or like in any other rendition of the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe of Ultron, like the animated stuff, or like the, you know, those kind of shows void unfeeling cold robot which is what he's supposed to be he is a robot lead the philosophizing division ultron and any and other 
I'll just run on every other piece of content he's in. Does not have a sense of humor or a humanistic approach to viewing the world. He does not think about how humans feel. He is an extremist android that wants to kill people. That's the one thing about him that makes him an amazing villain because there's no rhyme or reason to how he thinks. He's just wired to think that way. He just does. And when they took that out of his character in Age of Ultron, I got, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of sad. Like, did I find him funny? Yes. I think it was hilarious. Um, but I'm... I, no. Like, it, they made him not evil. They made him, like, a funny... He, that movie was hilarious, I would have to say. Which is so funny to me because Pietro dies. And I actually cried during that movie when Pietro died. But, like, that is a comic movie. That's a comical movie. Because that man had, like, the funniest lines, funniest one-liners. They casted the guy who plays Raymond Reddington from The Blacklist. So, like, his voice is on point. Um, so, like, all of those things, you... The fuck? Was it not meant to be funny? Like, they kind of took the magic out of that movie by, like, having him be a funny character that had a sense of humor. And he was, like, pretty much just a taller version of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, that's my hot take on Ultron. Okay, this one's actually gonna get me hate because so many people like Loki. And don't get me wrong, you if you guys have listened to my Marvel Villains episode, you know I love Loki. He is my number one villain. I think he's the coolest villain ever. But he's not a good person. I'm sorry. I argue that no one is good. Because I feel like, okay... I need to explain myself when I say he's not a good person because obviously if you're just watching the Marvel movies and you have no emotional connection to this man, you would say, obviously he's not a good person. In the Avengers, he tries to kill everybody. Totally. But there's so many Loki stands that are like, he's a great person and all that stuff. I argue no one is good, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There are certain people that I can say are good-hearted, like Peter Parker, Scott Lang, Mantis, all people with their hearts in the right place, and they're usually just doing things out of the goodness of their heart. But majority of Marvel characters are morally great people. I'm going to use Wanda as an example. Wanda is a... She has her heart in the right place, but at this point of time, she literally could not give a shit about anyone. Like humans don't matter to her right now because she has lost everyone that she cares about and she imprisons an entire town do we think that's a good thing to do no and i'm saying this as a woman who loves scarlet witch she's my favorite mcu character um that was not the best move she that was that's evil that's that's bad um she wasn't aware that she was doing it but she didn't want to let anyone go so that's the one thing and yeah, so she's not a good person, but she's not a bad person. Steve has done a lot of some fucked up shit too. Tony has his. Tony sold weapons to terrorists. Like the man has had a track record of being a bad person at some points of time. Does that mean he's an altogether bad person? Is he evil? No. But is he good? No. He. The, the, everyone has that spectrum in them. So Loki, of all people, is the most morally gray person in the movies that I can think of because he's on this weird journey of self-discovery about learning to love himself right now in Loki and even earlier on like that man's allegiance has always been to himself because he's learned not to trust anyone so I can see why he would be morally gray but like people like try to romanticize the fact that like in in Avengers you know oh don't hear me out Avengers he was getting tortured by Thanos it wasn't his fault bitch 
he still killed Coulson. He didn't have to. He did anyway. Like, you know, his objective was to get the Tesseract. Then get the Tesseract. Like, you're a god. You can, you can, like, fix that shit. But no, you, you stabbed Coulson. You could have easily teleported behind him and ran away. Like, that's a option you had. You killed him anyway. I love how I'm basing majority of my opinion off of the fact that he killed Coulson. Also, how cruel is it to fake your death three times on your brother? That is terrible. Every single movie that he's been in, he has died once. I think except Thor Ragnarok. But, like, I think he made up for that in Avengers of Infinity War. But, like, it's just so... Don't get me wrong, I do love him. It's just that he does really annoying things, and it makes me frustrated. So, yeah. That's why I think Loki is not a great or good person. I think he is a morally great character, and I think that's why we love him. Okay, this one... This one... Okay. I don't know how to phrase this one, because I feel like all of the people that really love the Avengers are going to get on my case. But the Avengers are not as close as they seem, okay? People have to understand that. They are colleagues. They may seem like family. They may do all that shit together. They may have a bond. Great. Good for them. They ain't that close. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I think certain people have certain relationships with other characters, and that's, that's the close bond. But I don't think altogether they all have close bonds with everybody. Like... Give me, let me give you an example. No one checked in on Wanda after Vision died. Um, after she came back, it's quite evident that she was left all alone. Um, nobody checked on her. So, the fuck? Um, Bucky, nobody checked on him except Sam. And Sam didn't do that of his own volition until like the very end. Because they both fucking hate each other. Um, Clint, Clint's doing Hawkeye shit. I don't know. Um... He's about to get his ass wiped out by Yelena, so that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, what else? Uh, Peter and everyone else, he only had a relationship with with Tony, which kind of makes me upset because I would have loved some, like, character growth between him and, like, everyone else, but they didn't do that, and it makes me sad. It's quite frustrating to see characters that you really, really wanted to bond and, like, you expect them to be super close to each other, um, not really have those close connections that you think of. Like, there are certain scenes that could have been included that had, like, really, really important character development in it, and they don't use it. And so, one of the things I remember when I watched Endgame that really irked me was that all of these characters come out of these portals, right, in the final battle, but I realized that a lot of them haven't even met each other, and these are supposed to be the Avengers, all of them. A lot of them haven't met each other. And I'm like, there couldn't have been like a little, like, you know, powwow after this is done to like meet everyone. But no, the first time everyone meets people, I think, is at Tony's funeral. And even then, it's not everyone. So, like, don't even get on my case about Tony's funeral because they did nothing for Nat. Because Nat was like in the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, that's my. Sorry, I went on a little rant there, but it makes me upset. I feel like I haven't really said anything and like that made sense. But you know, it made sense to me, which is what matters. Last but not least, another share and opinion. 
Uh, I know. <laughs> um, I feel like I have to get across. I love Sharon. I think she's one of my favorite female characters in the MCU. I don't think I mentioned her in my agent in my Marvel Women episode because I was pretty much just talking about characters that were in Endgame. But I need to talk about Agent Thirteen for a bit because she is legit a badass. I think I actually like her a little bit more than Nat, which is so funny to me because I thought Nat was my favorite not powered person in the MCU. But no, it's actually Sharon. Um, anyway, this opinion is about Sharon at the end of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was, um, if you haven't seen the show, click off now. Don't listen to this bit because there's a big spoiler. But Sharon is revealed as the power broker, which is actually something that people hated her for. They said she was um, just besmirching the like Carter name. Peggy would be turning in her grave because of it. You know, she's a horrible person. She's a traitor. Um, I think it's well-deserved. I think ma'am is popping off. Yes. Get that coin. Get that power. Love that for her. I appreciate her for it. Um, I was actually hoping for a villain arc for her just because, first of all, she'd be so good at it because, like, she's literally, literally a spy. And second of all, people deserve it. Like, that woman has been through hell and no one helped her. And so those boys need to shut the fuck up and start listening up to Miss Carter because she has some shit to say. And I think she deserves to have a villain arc. I think she deserves to actually win. I hope she's a villain that wins. I hope she wipes the floor with their asses. I hope she fucking bodies Bucky. (laughs) I hope she, um, (laughs) I hope she tosses Sam out of a window. I don't know what I'm saying. Y'all, it's 12.30 in the morning. Um, point is, I love her as a power broker. I think it's going to be such a good character development for her just because she hasn't been seen a lot, and this pretty much guarantees that we have to see her at some point because she is the power broker, and it's pretty much an open ending for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with, you know, John being recruited for um, Valent- uh, the Contessa and also, like, her being revealed. I'm like, yeah, the fuck? She's going to be back. Emily Van Camp is going to be back. Apparently there's an Agent 13 movie, which you know I'm going to be I'm going to be running to that theater for that. Because, yes, Emily, an entire movie with Emily Van Camp fucking beating up people, sign me up. Like, that's, yes. Um, but that's the last opinion. I feel like I just, that, was, that wasn't even an opinion. That was just me saying that she, Emily Van Camp can crush me, body and soul. Which is true, she can. Anywho, thank you all for listening and joining me on this journey. I hope you continue to listen to this podcast. My socials are at 726 on, uh, at gs726 on Insta, at dia.k on TikTok, and g1a on YouTube. If you enjoy listening to stories and true crime, you can check out my other podcast, Brood Monkey Tales of Gia, where I talk about stories from mythology and true crime cases. COVID is still prominent in the U.S., so wear masks and stay away from social gatherings. Support the BLM movement by donating to bail funds, signing petitions, attending protests, and spreading awareness. Um, I'm also linking down Asian, anti-Asian hate crime resources down below. And this was the Musings of a Raging Introvert. I'll see you next week for a deep delve into whatever I want.